Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting live from inside Renaissance Bank on Windward Parkway in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're interested in banking at a bank that's been awarded Best in State for Georgia by Forbes magazine, there's only one bank that can be number one, and that bank is Renaissance Bank. And I know personally why they're number one and why they've been uh, awarded that status, and it's because they are big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but small enough to do it in a personal way. So if you like that combination and want to know more, go to renaissancebank.com and find their one of their local offices, give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Peter Rosen. Peter is a founder of his own firm, HR Strategies and Solutions. Peter, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great to uh, have you here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you and your firm. How are you serving folks out there? Well, I started my firm in 2000, January 1st, 2000, as a matter of fact. And maybe a little later, we'll get into exactly how that came about. But what I've been doing for the last 21 years is helping usually small to mid-sized companies figure out all their people issues, how to bring the right people on, how to motivate them, how to have them be doing the right thing that's helping the company. Unfortunately, there are times when people need to move on. I help them with that in a way that's both fair to the employee as well as um, keeping the company out of trouble. And I help companies with investigations, organizational design, and effectiveness, and anything else that involves the um, structure and the growth of a company. You t- you celebrated the turn of the century then, right? I mean, you <laughs> everybody else was worried about Y2K, and you're, uh, you're out forming a new company, right? Well, fortunately, at that point, my technology was limited, so Y2K was not an issue for me. I'm right there with you. Uh, well, let's talk about your journey. I mean, what 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 were you doing prior to forming your own firm, and and what led you to led you to that? Well, I moved to Atlanta. My my wife and myself moved to Atlanta. Uh, very early in my career, I was a young adult, and I happened to be an attorney, an employment lawyer. And my first job here in Atlanta was actually a trial attorney with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And I got to begin to really understand handbooks, behavior, management responses, and I found that so often when somebody felt that they were being treated unfairly, it was really a factor of poor management practices or poor communication. I did that for about two years, and lo and behold, a neighbor of ours, the Coca-Cola company, in the late 70s was beginning to feel the pressure of a lot of the equal employment opportunity issues that were going on. And they had no department, they had no um, dedicated resource to 
lead that function. And a neighbor of mine in Midtown told me about the opportunity and I got hired by Coca-Cola to start their EEO department in the late 70s. I ended up spending 11 years with them and I progressed. Again, uh, it turned out that that position happened to be in the HR department and that's how I was transitioning from being a full-time employment lawyer to being more in the HR arena. And I ended up uh, spending 11 years with Coca-Cola and my last role there was heading up uh, human resources for the Europe and Africa group. And that was uh, – did that for about five years and that was quite an experience. But then I went on to other corporate jobs and to fast forward a little bit, I, I had a job with a company at the time that was called Smith Klein Beecham and their clinical lab division. And they hired me here in the southeast to head up HR for the southeast and they relocated myself and my family to Philadelphia for five years. And that was a great opportunity. But then a headhunter contacted me about the opportunity to come back to Atlanta to head up human resources for a company that many know is called the Norell Corporation, which was a publicly traded uh, national staffing company. So I did that for a number of years until we got acquired by a company, another staffing company. And since they were the acquirer and they had a head of HR, my job was eliminated. So I needed to decide what to do next. And I actually ended up getting a position with an early stage startup with a fellow who um, actually interviewed for the role of COO at um, Norell and didn't get it, but we hit it off. And I got hired there and they had 40 employees. Never did I work for an organization that small. And he said, Peter, here's what I'm looking for you to do. I want you to help me build the culture of this organization that I'm trying to form. I want you to help me build the foundation so we can hire effectively, stay out of trouble, attract the right kind of people, and make sure this is an organization where people want to work and are very productive. And by the way, in addition to those two things, since we are taking over 1,100 blue-collar employees from federated department stores that are represented by 36 different uh, unions, I need you to be going around the country and addressing these um, leaders of these unions to assure them that we are going to be uh, treating them um, no differently, if not better, than a federated department store. Well, that was an experience that I could, <laughs> I could uh, really – I mean, it was, it was fa fantastic. I really, yeah. I really met some unbelievable people. Um, I had never really smoked a cigar in my life until, <laughs> until that time because every <laughs> evening we were out, you know, probably having a – drink too many and, sure. and and smoking a cigar. But after doing that for about a year, I realized it came to me that if it weren't for the union piece, the other part of my role is not really a full-time role with a early stage um, startup. Mm -hmm. And I thought about at that point starting my own business and um, because a lot of companies needed that the senior HR advice, but they didn't need it on a full-time basis, nor could they afford it. Mm -hmm. So that was the end of 99. And I spoke to the CEO of that company and he said, Peter, as long as you can continue to help me, you know, if you want to start your own business, you know, go for it. I support it. Well, uh, I've got my state 
license, you know, business license on January 1st, 2000. And I, I went from there. So I did that for two years and I actually got a client very quickly. It was, it was very exciting. I, I loved doing it. I was learning all the way because I had never owned or run my own business. Mm -hmm. And then um, 9-11 occurred. And, uh, and it also, I think actually in March of 2001, the NASDAQ hit some pretty rocky road. And a lot of my clients had investments by um, you know, venture capitalists and private equity that were very much in involved with the NASDAQ stocks. So I limped along until 9-11 when everything went, um, went bad mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. And then I got hired. I went back to corporate America for another five and a half years. And uh, including three and a half years with Capital One as a senior internal consultant. So I was actually getting paid on a regular basis to do what I was doing um, with my business. But in 2007, the company I was with, uh, it was not doing well. And the whole executive team was told, um, we're going to um, implement your packages and thank you for everything you've done. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, my business is restarting and I'm not going to look back. Yeah. And so in 2007, January 2007, was when I restarted my business. And that's what I've been doing ever since. That's awesome. Now, you... you uh Talk about what's what the state of outsourced HR solutions were at that time. Sounds like you were early on in that industry. I was. And I think a lot of different um, professions like um, CFOs, like marketing, they all began to recognize the value, and it's referred to very often as fractional Sure. Uh, you know, a CXO, there's a company that actually provides fractional um, CFOs, fractional marketing people. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I've just been offering that, you know, in my own business. And it might, I'm very fortunate because probably 90 to 95% of my business is either referral or repeat business. Last year, uh, which this year, I'm sorry, this year, which was very unusual, I got two new, very large clients who actually uh, did some Google searching and found me on the web. Mm. And they've become very solid clients. So that was a, a new thing for me and, and totally welcome. There you go. Um, folks, we're chatting with Peter Rosen. Peter is the president and founder of his own firm, HR Strategies and Solutions. Uh, so, Peter, we'll get into some of the details of, of the things you advise on, but um, when clients hire you, do they hire you on for specific projects on an ongoing basis on retainer or both? How does that work? It's, it's both, but uh, very often and probably the majority, um, there is something that is bothering either the business owner or the CEO. It may be communication among the senior executives. It may be the workforce, the turnover of the workforce. It may be a toxic employee that just hasn't been addressed. Um, very often, uh, but not as often, it's just the, um, the foresight of the CEO or business owner. They, are, they know they're going to grow and they want to grow on a strong foundation and they want it to be solid and they need help in building that. So either way, I will be contacted, and when we agree, 
I will usually come in and do an HR assessment. And what that entails is looking at all communications, um, having one-on-one interviews with the senior team, having interviews with some key employees who are considered influencers, looking at the handbook, looking at the history of any kind of litigation, looking uh, at their processes, how long does it take them to hire somebody, uh, who's involved in the hiring process. And what I'll do is I will come back with a report making recommendations, not finding fault with what they're doing currently, but here's what I would recommend they do going forward. And very often I am then retained and I charge for this initial assessment because it's fairly extensive. Sure. And then very often I'll get retained to, he- to help drive the, um, the implementation of the recommendations. Uh, part of my business model is they either have the, – the companies either don't have an HR person and the business manager, the office manager may be handling payroll, um, some of the – benefit signups, you know, a healthcare benefit enrollment. And I will work through that person because that function is very vitally needed because all of the administrative work needs to be done. But I will become the outsourced head of HR and I will sit in on senior team meetings. I will learn the business so I know what the levers are. So my advice can be the more I get to know an organization the, and, and the, the industry, the more valuable I become. I'm curious about something. What is the cost, and particularly the intangible cost, of significant HR problems? I mean, you know, corporate America is really good at figuring out the the benefits of a merger and cost savings and that kind of thing um, that are tangible. But what are what are the intangible costs? of poor HR practices. That is one of the challenges that uh, most HR people have is, sure. and you use the term intangible and that's part of the, um, the, the challenge. But I, I, a lot of uh, people have started putting real dollars on some of the issues. For example, turnover mm. and the cost of um, replacing a person, whether you use a recruiter or not, uh, the morale, the productivity, which is an intangible, which is very difficult to measure. Sure. Uh, obviously, um, litigation for bad employment practices that becomes a real cost. Uh, you know, it just the the morale, the reputation of the organization. You know, customers may come to or not come to a company because of its culture and because of its uh, reputation. Now with Websites like Glassdoor and things like that, none of that is secret. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's get into some of the work that you do specifically. Um, let, something admittedly narrow, uh, internal employee complaints. I know that's one area you get brought in to work on. How that works is – and th- this really interesting. I picked up this niche maybe four or five years ago. And I have, being an employment lawyer, my background Mm -hmm. helps me be a better investigator. Mm. I am not active. I'm I'm considered inactive in the Georgia bar. 
I do not compete with a lot of with any employment attorneys. Usually, it is the employment attorney that will bring me on for their client because there's an internal um, complaint, whether it's harassment, sex discrimination, racial discrimination. Uh, it could be bullying. It, it could be a, you know a lot of different things. And they will want it to be investigated. They don't want to do it themselves because they represent the client, so their findings can be very biased or be interpreted as biased if it ever goes to court. Right. So I get brought in and I do an extensive investigation and I report back to the employment attorneys. And I will tell you, it's um, over the years I have, my recommendations have gone both ways as far as the complaining um, employee being in, uh, you know, the facts support their complaint. Mm -hmm. And very often uh, on the other side, you know, the facts don't support their complaint. Mm. What's the biggest mistake companies make as it relates to internal employee complaints that you see? Well, number one, not responding to it initially. Mm. Mm-hmm. Having a culture where it is there is fear of actually having a complaint because in reality, a company is much better off having that this whole process remain internal because the other uh, – uh, options are going to the federal government, whether it's the Department of Labor, whether it's the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, whatever it be. Once that happens, it's a whole new ball game. So if they could contain it um, internally, it is to their um, to their benefit. And let's talk a little bit about some of the work you do around organizational design and effectiveness. I can see how that's a um, kind of a 40,000-foot view of a company that they, they're not diving into every day um, for obvious reasons. But, but I can see a lot of value in you parachuting in from the outside with that work. I'll give you an example of there is a, an organization, and it's a not-for-profit. They get 90% of their funding from the CDC. Mm. And I got referred to them, it was maybe five years ago, it was 2016. And apparently they do an organizational review every two years. And I bid on the job, and that's something that I don't typically do. And um, it was not a matter of cost. I think it was a matter of uh, the approach. And I, I read the report from the previous um, organization and person that had done the review. And it was about a 70 page report with graphs and, and I, I, my eyes glazed over because when I looked at the whole thing, it was so complicated and it almost provided no actionable items to help improve both the design and the effectiveness. And I came in with a, you know, my approach is this is, you know, dealing with people is complex. So how you deal with it, you try to keep it simple um, and understandable and practical. Mm -hmm. Well, I got retained to do the review and I did it by sitting in on senior team meetings so I could really assess the value of meetings, looking at the organizational chart, uh, interviewing the senior players, interviewing employees. And what came out, they had one senior person who was very toxic who had been tolerated, 
mm. made things, and it was in the finance arena, made things extremely complicated. So everybody was forced to depend on that person when, in fact, it was, you know, it, she was doing that intentionally. Uh, some of the reporting relationships were really not uh, very effective. It took a long time for any kind of um, minor decision to be a- approved. Morale was not as great as it could be. It took a long time to hire people. And I made a number of recommendations, and probably 90% of them were accepted. And they really um, seem to be very appreciative. They're still a client. And I actually just finished another organizational review of them. Mm. They, they brought me back to do another one. Mm-hmm. And this was a little more major because they've been impacted, this organization, by the um, pandemic in the sense they are, they represent a lot of the public health officials all over the country. Mm. They're, the, they're the association for that. Okay. So they've been stretched thin and busy, and it is so important for them to be organized in an effective way. Mm-hmm. And so I came back and I made my presentation to the senior team. I now I'm scheduled on November 3rd and because they've accepted the findings. I make my presentation to the whole staff. It's about 80 employees in, in this organization. And then sometime early in the year, I'll actually be re- uh, making my report to the board of directors. So um, it's something they consider to be very important, and I do this for a number of clients. What What is the – when should the company bring you in uh, as, you know, an independent experience HR uh, person? And I'm assuming, but correct me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming you don't replace anyone that's that's – full-time with HR, you're there to augment the work that's already being done. Uh, When should uh, a company bring someone like you in? Well, ideally, it should be brought in during the growth stage. Mm -hmm. But over my um, career with my company, I've I've been brought in at all stages. And whatever stage I'm brought in, I'll, I'll figure out where, you know, you have to make up for some things that maybe should have been done differently. Right. But that's part of the assessment to mm-hmm. know how we, we, you know, you should shift to do things, um, you know, a little better. You know, you asked earlier, you know, about how, what arrangements do I have? And you mentioned retainer. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a number of clients that I am on retainer. You know, we figure out it's a combination of hours a month that I would put in um, and also the value of what I bring. So it's not just hours because um, I'm very – clear i don't i'm not a bill hour billable kind of person but mm-hmm. i've lost um, one client i literally was on retainer for for eight years and they just sold out to a another company and then uh, just about a year and a half ago i had another client that was a client for seven years and they also got bought out and so i was no longer working with them Mm-hmm. So retainers can last a long time, but sometimes, you know, if I get get a company up and running and they reach a size, and then it's time for them to hire a full time HR person, and then my role becomes either not needed or um, a lot less. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not sure I ask a, a clear question there, which is not unusual. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? In, if a company's trying, I understand that companies hire you when there's a problem. I, I get that. But in terms of when, when they're trying to be proactive, maybe, and get ahead of that 
culture curve and get ahead of of problems that may uh, jump up as they grow. Um, when should they bring you in? What, I mean, what are the things they should be looking for? I'll give you an example of a client that brought me in when they had four employees, mm. and which is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. The CEO and founder of this company, and it's in the gaming industry, um, and they're part of um, – they were located down at Tech Center, Atlanta Technology Development Center near Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And he and I had known each other just from you know attending meetings and going to different seminars, and he wanted to do it right. And he said, Peter, I'm going to be growing. We're going to be hiring a lot of people. I know that hiring is the most important thing you could do and it's the easiest thing to screw up. I want you to help me build a process. I want you to be part of the team and bringing on the people. Well, I worked, and that's one of the companies I mentioned earlier. I worked with this company for eight years mm-hmm. from the beginning. They sold out to another company at a phenomenal um amount of money. The CEO and founder did very well. He, I can only tell you he's very appreciative and he does tell people that, I, um, that we work together on this whole thing. So I really feel that I was part of building that company. Mm-hmm. And that's an example, the ideal example. And, and plus over time, I helped him organizationally. I helped him with, I've done uh, facilitations of personality profiles and helping with the communication among his senior team and his whole workforce. Mm -hmm. Whenever there was a sticky employee relations issue, I'd be called in to help uh, resolve it early on. Uh, When we had an employee that it was time to move on, I worked with him to structure the departure. So again, it was fair. And also it was, um, you know, it didn't get the, in compliance and it didn't get the company in trouble. Mm-hmm. So that's an example where um, I was brought in literally from the beginning and, and, and it worked out great. That's awesome. Uh, Peter Rosen folks, uh, founder president of HR strategies and solutions. That's one of the, and that's an example we were talking earlier about the ROI of HR there's a there, <laughs> there's a big one company valuation upon exit right yes yeah yeah and, and and it was interesting because the acquirer and I was involved very um, much in the um, due diligence and helping the acquirer get the information they needed but we had personality profiles on every employee we I helped them in, implement a performance management system as well as a um, HR information system. So all this information, including peer feedback, was available to the acquiring company to help determine which employees they they wanted to take on and which ones they didn't. And also, they saw that the culture was such that um, it was it added a, a lot of um, I can't tell you the exact number of dollars, but it added dollars to the value of the acquisition. Um, proving, as you talked about how you charge, there's a whole lot of value in your services. So uh, that go well beyond just the hours you put into it. Yes. And what I have found, which really makes my role very gratifying is the only organizations that I will ever do any work for, not, not from my perspective, where that will retain me or bring me on 
is where the the head of that organization recognizes the value of having HR done right because it, there's such a link between business outcomes and getting the people uh, stuff right. And if a, a, a leader or a business owner is only looking at his bottom line and doesn't recognize the value of the people and morale and hiring and termination, then um, they probably won't find my my services valuable. So I end up only working for companies that recognize the value of it. That makes perfect sense. You would never have been hired by Chainsaw Al Dunlap, would you? <laughs> we, you, you and I know who he <laughs> oh, is, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I, uh, actually, I was uh, living in Philadelphia during the, his uh, period of time when he was uh, there at um, – uh, he was at a couple of places. I, yeah, I remember, was but, it Sunbeam or something like that, uh, a name that's come and gone, I it, think. It was Sunbeam after, and he developed his reputation before he went to Sunbeam. Right. But uh, he would bring on a an HR person who literally will be the hatchet man for him. Sure, sure. Or hatchet person for him. Right, right. And, yeah, and, um, um, yeah I think you can find his books of HR tips uh, on the – on in goodwill someplace for 99 cents, but <laughs> yes. uh, it, it contrast to what uh, the value Peter could offer you today, folks. Uh, well, Peter, this has been great. And I can't imagine that, that there aren't some folks that wouldn't want to be in touch and uh, learn more about your services and what, uh, how you can help them. So let's uh, direct them to the right place. Sure. Well, probably uh, I would say the first stop would be to go to my website because that really, not only explains in more detail what services I offer, it does have a page that I'm very proud of, and that's testimonials from mm. from current and former clients, and that means the um, world to me. Uh, and that uh, the website is www.hrsas.com. My email is peter. Rosen at hrsas.com. And my phone number, which I welcome anybody to call, is 404-735-7412. Terrific. Peter Rosen, folks, with HR Strategies and Solutions. Peter, this has been fun. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. uh, Speaking of team building, um, did you know that uh, you can actually do some terrific team building with everybody uh, gathered around uh, a table in the kitchen seasoning meat for the big green egg? I, let me give you a pointer on who does that for you. ANS Culinary Concepts. Yes, they're a culinary studio and they do corporate catering. Just got voted number one in North Fulton for corporate catering. They also do corporate team building events. I've been to one of their big green egg boot camps and they're terrific. And if you want to learn more about their services, go to uh, their website, asculinaryconcepts.com or call my friend Andrew Traub over there. Uh, and uh, it, his number is 678-336-9196 and let him know that we sent you. And folks, just a quick reminder uh, you can find this show on all the major podcast apps. North Fulton Business Radio is a search term, and uh, we're just beyond gratified at the support we have uh, from you, the listeners. And we just passed show number 400, so we're excited about that milestone. 
thank you for all your support. And if you want to be in touch, uh, feel free. Uh, my, my email is jray at businessradiox.com. We'd love to hear from you. So for my guest, Peter Rosen, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.